They're scrambled. Usually get a good look at it. Shots blocked by Shea Gilgis Alexander. Rookie against rookie. Patrick Beverly joins us on SportsCenter. He plays on the best team in L.A. Great five seconds. Zimmer's bringing in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Welcome back to the Clippers Pulse Podcast. As usual, it's your boy Adam, and today I'm joined by Mo Dakil, part of the Blue Wild Podcast Network and Jumpball.net. How are you doing today, Mo? I'm doing great, Adam. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Stoked after last night's game. You gotta be, man. I mean, that, <laughs> that was a crazy game. Dude, I don't think I've seen a game like that in a long, long time. The foul trouble that everybody got in was amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, just kind of... Yeah, well, this was the first playoff game that uh, Kevin Durant has ever fouled out of. And then, you know, obviously we had the Steph Curry picking up his fourth foul really early in the third, um, which I wasn't really that keen on the call. See, I'm with, I'm with a, a Londoner so, or, or a British person, so I say keen and things like that now, like I'm, I, I know the lingo. <laughs> I didn't think that was a good call. Um, Beverly fouling out, uh, although Draymond kind of oversold it, I did think that foul was a foul. You kind of had to call it. But yeah, it was just weird kind of just having that <laughs> that many fouls in, in, in that game. I actually took some notes in the third. There was 20 fouls in the third quarter alone. And part of it feels like once Steph had to go down to the bench, then obviously that was a turning point for the Clippers. But they continued to to kind of foul and disrupt the offense as much as possible. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, it was just a matter of just sort of, uh, I mean, it obviously wasn't intentional or anything like that, but it just felt like they were calling this game really tight. Um, and I wonder how much I had to do with Beverly and KD getting kicked out of the game, end of game one, um, for them just trying to feel like they had control. But just on the pure numbers of it, I mean, 31 free throw attempts for the Clippers, 45 for the Warriors. I mean, that's a ridiculous amount of fouls. Um, all's total called. That's, that's something. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't just the third quarter, it was the whole thing. And it, but it helped kind of sort of keep the Warriors off and sort of out of a, a rhythm and flow, especially with Steph on the bench. One of the first non calls that happened in the first quarter, which I found quite entertaining. Was that flop by Bogut when Harrell was on the drive? Do you remember that one? He kind of dropped his shoulder into Bogut. Bogut flopped. Harrell took a second to look at what was going on and then hit the dunk. <laughs> I, I I did not. Uh, I don't remember it. But, you know, that's kind of like the normal thing. It's, it's, it's funny. You can see it pretty much in every game where there's a situation where a guy thinks a foul is going to be called and they stop for a second. And then they're like, oh, they're not, they're, they're not calling it. Okay, cool. And then they go up for a layup or the other way around where they, they fouled the guy and they're waiting for, you know, it's just kind of a funny thing. You could see it on players where they know they fouled somebody, but they're like, is it going to get called? Or did I get away with it? It's a whole, it's a fun thing to watch kind of the way, uh, players sort of react. It's, uh, I don't even know how fun it is for other people. It's just something I find interesting from time to time. I love the body language, especially with people like Beverly and Durant all the way through game one and then the majority of game two. It heated up in the second half where they were just jawing at each other. I enjoy that. I understand that they need to keep control of the game to make sure it doesn't get out of hand. But when you're not calling a shoulder barge like Harold did to Bogut, but then you're calling a few little like push-offs, that was a bit frustrating yeah, you know, it's the hardest thing for officials is consistency. 
you know, and it's 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 difficult to kind of get that. Um, and you, you know, you you might not think that was a you might not think that was a foul, and then later on you see the ticky tack ones that they call, and you're like, okay, well, why wasn't that a foul in the first quarter? It's 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 kind of weird in how the flow of the game goes. It it would be interesting to have kind of conversations with the officials to see how they see it, but then also sometimes it's three different you know sets of eyes watching it, and what might be a foul to the guy, the referee on the baseline isn't a foul to the guy on the uh, covering the sideline. And, you know, sometimes you have the guy on the sideline overruling it. Sometimes they just let it go. It's kind of a weird dynamic in terms of how these officials work together and, and, and trying to get consistency. But I think the most consistent thing we should expect is inconsistency. Oh, yeah, for sure. Talking of when you have multiple refs calling it differently, that was exemplified in the second quarter by Gallo. Did you see that one, Gallo? was called, well, the one ref called it a charge, the other ref, ref called it a block, and then Gallo ended up shooting the two free throws? Yeah, you know, it's a hard, um, it's always something, the hardest call is block charge, you know, and, and for the referees to have to decide, you know, kind of on the spot, and really it, it could just be a difference of angles where one referee sees it and, and thinks the defender is not set or not in position, whereas the other the official might see it and go like, Hey, no, he was there. It's, it's such a bang, bang play. It's really, it's really the hardest call to make in, in, in the game between that. And I think, you know, possibly goaltending are probably the two toughest things for officials to catch. Um, and you know what, sometimes there, there are situations where, you know, I think even in that game last night, there were times where I, not just that call, but there are times where I thought it was a charge and they called it a block. And I thought it was a block when they called it a charge, you know, that one's one of the toughest ones to kind of keep up, you know. But for the Clippers, they'll take whichever ones that put them on the line. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, their free throw shooting percentage is great. How do you feel about Boogie going down so early? Like, obviously, it's never nice to see a guy go down, especially in his second playoff game of his career, and even more especially when he's worked so hard to get back to that level of play after such a terrible injury the year before. Yeah, I mean, it's such a sad story. Uh, here's a guy that finally gets into the playoffs after tearing his Achilles last year. Um, granted, he would have gotten a chance to play in the playoffs last year had he not torn his Achilles. Um, so, you know, he, he comes to the Warriors. He's excited about the opportunity to not only get in the playoffs, but a chance to play for a championship. Works extremely hard to come back from his Achilles. So, I mean, like, as soon as he went down, I was immediately concerned going like, hey, this is not good. Um Obviously, I didn't know the extent of the injury because my x-ray vision only works in person and not through TV. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was concerned with the fact, like, you know, just like you could see it on his face. He knew something was wrong. He knew it was a problem and, and, and was immediately calling for a substitution. And my heart just sank for him. And then as we're getting the news in the game last night and even today, you know, it's it's brutal. And, it's, and, and what kind of sucks about it, too, is, you know, Besides everything and, and, and missing the, the chance to really play in the playoffs again, you know, he's a free agent again this year, you know, and he would, he would have gotten a, a pretty good contract this summer, but now again, he has to basically go through it all over again, um, with the second sort of devastating injury, which I, I, again, I'm not a doctor by any stretch of the means, but it has to be somewhat tied to the fact that, you know, it was his, you know, his Achilles, you know, his Achilles on his left leg. Now it's his left quad, you know, the way the body works. And, you know, it kind of adjusts and accounts for one another. It just was too much stress for the quad and it eventually tore. Um, simple. It just freaking sucks. 
Yeah, it does. I felt really bad for the guy, even as a Clippers fan. And obviously, I'm not going to talk too much about Boogie because he didn't play and it's kind of harsh. But as a Clippers fan, part of me would have preferred him on the court just because of how we can abuse him in a pick and roll with Lou and Montrez. But I wouldn't wish an injury on anybody. I'm not that sort of guy. And it's always more fun when you're playing against the best teams and their best players are on the court. So that it was quite hard to watch in that respect. Hopefully he can get healthy. And if the Warriors are lucky enough to get past the Clips, then hopefully he makes it back later in the playoffs, which is looking unlikely. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a tough uh, situation. And really, and, and this is to any fan and any human being out there. I mean, if you wish injury on somebody, you know, uh, just understand that that what goes around comes around and, and, and karma has a way of evening things out from time to time. So I, uh, I'd be, I'd be wary if that was the case, you know, um, injuries are part of the game. It was, it's what happens It completely and utterly sucks. Um, you know, I, I was with the Clippers when Sean Livingston completely destroyed his knee and, and we had serious questions whether he'd play again. Um, so, you know, I kind of understand it, uh, um, break for it so uh having seen it firsthand with with livingston so i mean it just sucks and you know who knows down the road i know there there was a i saw a tweet i didn't read too much into it but there was there's maybe like a little bit of hope that he might be able to uh make it back in the later rounds if they happen to get past the clippers um but the uh but i think that right now it just doesn't look likely no, and I agree. I'd never wish injury on anybody. These guys put so much work into getting to the NBA in the first place. And then the hours in the gym they must put to improve during the summer and before every game. You can't wish injury on anybody. That's their career at the end of the day. But Yeah, I mean, it's their, it's their livelihood. Exactly. You wouldn't wish somebody at work gets injured, so you can't do it just because the guy's an athlete. It's just not right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's kind of uh, where I stand with the bogey thing. I'm, I'm sorry, the Cousins thing. How they're do you feel? Big. Oh, sorry, carry on. I said they're just both big. That's the only reason why. <laughs> <I didn't... laughs> yeah, they're huge guys, dude. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been I've been really interested in, in the matchups, especially with Beverly Gard and Durant. Part of me was expecting to see him put on Steph more, but I feel like using Gallo on Durant would have worked quite well. But the... The defensive scheme they used worked really, really effectively against Durant. He was quite quiet. What was it? Only five shots taken until probably the last four minutes. Just before he fouled out, he'd only had like right. five, six shots. They did get to the line 12 times. So, you know, I think there's kind of that. And those don't, don't necessarily count as a, a field goal attempts. So we don't, we don't kind of get those. But the thing is, I think Beverly's done a phenomenal job. I mean, he's done what he does. He, he does what he did. Did yeah, what he does. He's a gritty um, guy. He's a he, he's gritty. He's a pest. He's annoying. He gets in your face. There's a reason why guys hate having to play against him. He's one of those guys you you love to have on your team, but you hate going against. He's going to be in your face. He's not afraid. Um, you know, and 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 that's that's just been his personality and who he's been really his entire career. Um, so it size disparity and everything but you know what like his height everything you know he's he's using everything he possibly has to take it to Durant and to be honest I think he's kind of in Katie's head a bit I think it's there you know I think you know what happened in the sense of they did the getting into it with each other in game one and you know we saw it at the free throw line the the one free throw Durant missed was when you know back there on the the <laughs> the sideline you know on the on the free throw line 
um, to the point that when he missed the free throw, Katie looked to the officials going like, can he even do that? Um, which the answer is he can, uh, as long as he doesn't step in into the paint while, uh, while Katie's shooting those free throws. So, um, but he's there in his head and he's causing a lot of issues, man. He's just all over the place and he's a pest and, and he's doing what he does, you know, and that's, that's kind of it. With Gallo being, would you agree with the concept that Gallo's the third most, would you agree that Gallo's the third best player in that series? Overall or on the Clippers? Overall. So it would be Stephen Durant, whichever way you want to put them, and then Gallo? Yeah, that, that might be a bit high. I think I'd, I'd, I'd probably take, I, I know Clay didn't shoot it all that well and hasn't been all that great, but I still think I'd probably go Clay over, over, uh, Gallinari. Okay. Um, I just think, I think the defender, I think, you know, and also when he gets hot, there, there's really no stopping him. Um, and this isn't a knock on Gallinari, you know, like whenever you pick one person over the other, everybody assumes you hate the other guy. I love Gallo and this has been a phenomenal year for him. You know, I think, you know, if, if I had an NBA vote, uh, all NBA vote, I think he'd make third team on my roster. Um, you know, I think he's had that good of a year, but I just kind of think for me in this series, I think I'd, I think the Warriors do have the top three guys. They're just not playing at that level yet. No, that's uh, that's a fair opinion. The only reason I bring it up is because I was I've been speaking to a few people online. Uh, a lot of the opinions are that Gallo's the third best on a talent perspective. What I was leading into was kind of roundabout back to Beverly, saying he's probably one of the most influential players in this matchup. Oh, that's no question. I mean. Beverly is extremely important in this matchup just because of what he does defensively. You know, uh, even though he got to the line, like I said, 12 times, you know, KD only shot eight shots, only took one three. You know, that's that's a credit to Beverly really kind of getting into him and and really challenging him. So, you know, he may not contribute that much on the offensive end, but what he brings defensively is massively important for the Clippers and they're and they're not in the series it's not a 1-1 series if it's if Beverly's not on that team his type of play is very reminiscent of I've been saying this a lot actually uh mainly about Montres but Beverly fits in as well his type of play is very reminiscent of Marcus Smart for the Celtics very much so I mean he's he's kind of the heart and soul of the team you know he's he's a big leader for that squad for you know that he's he's all about cares about these guys he's there to kind of bring everybody together and it's impressive considering here's the thing the big picture with the clippers overall the majority excuse me the majority of these guys are free agents we don't know how many of these guys are going to be back next year it's it's a whole it could be a completely different team but to be able to keep these guys all together and and push forward it's a credit to doc it's a credit to all these players lou williams has a great leadership you know beverly's been a big part of the leadership as well and and keeping everybody kind of in line and focused and ready to go so you know it's it's something that you can't really understate you know i i think we tend to forget it but i think it's something we have to really pay more attention to yeah beverly's a free agent this year he's had really low career earnings i've discussed this previously i think so far in his career he's picked up 25 mil or around that mark which we say is low it's a ridiculous amount of money right right <laughs> but for an nba player he's due a payday he's what 30 now yeah i mean he's he, he's he's gonna get a pretty decent number i think in free agent i don't think anybody's gonna go com- uh, completely overboard to sign him, but I won't be surprised if somebody throw a good, a nice little chunk of change at him 
that'll make him really kind of pay attention. And if the Clippers are slow to kind of react, cause they're going to play that game where they're going to, they're going to chase stars. You know, uh, I think, you know, the, the rumors out there that they, you know, that they they almost expect to get Kawhi if Toronto doesn't go to the finals. I think there are rumors out there that, you know, Durant's going to give them a meeting. So, you know, as long as while that stretches out, you know, that's an opportunity for a team to come in with a nice contract for Beverly, a team that needs a defensive guy. Uh, you know, like a good team would be for him. I don't know if he'd want to go there, but I think Phoenix could use him, right? Pair him with Devin Booker and and and, and a defender, you know, and, and, and kind of bring a little more leadership and fight to that team would be huge. Um, I don't know if they'd go after him. That's just me spitballing there. But I think that's something we have to kind of pay attention to. You know, that's this is an important important thing in every playoff game right now he's making himself more money yeah he's earn, he's earning more money every minute he's on the court at the moment yeah. another team i work quite closely with a guy that runs the king's pulse podcast uh mm-hmm. he's championing really really hard to get beverly on that team obviously he has no say but if he did right. there'd already be a contract offer out there and that'd be a ferocious backcourt as well i think phoenix and Sacramento will both really, really benefit from a guy like Beverly, which is why I hope that we can find a way of keeping him around, even if we do bring in some all-stars. He'd be great for that. I mean, he'd be great if you do bring in all-stars. Say you hit the Grand Slam and you're bringing in Kawhi and KD. You know, he's another guy you you slide right in and, and a defender, and you, you can kind of just – you know, simply put him in, you know, he's, he knows his role. It's not like he's going to take a ton of shots that you don't think he should take or anything like that. You know, he, he knows his role and things like that. Yeah. The guy's a pit bull. And he's been, you know what? Underappreciated all his career. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see him get a lot of love now. He wears his heart on his sleeve, man. I mean, I could never not, want a guy like that on my team i want the guys that are willing to go to war and that's what this clippers team do well they take a punch and then they just keep on coming as shown last night they never let their heads drop they kept grinding kept pushing away pushing away and before you know it it's a 16 point game 14 11 and then you start looking to start trying to catch up close the game out and the the two rookies are playing exceptionally well for their first ever playoff games yeah, no, it was amazing. I mean, the honest thing, um, it was a 31-point deficit, and I only remember that because of all the 3-1 jokes that are flying the, the Warriors' way right now. But it was amazing to watch because, you know, in, in real time, I'm like, I'm watching this as a 30-point game. I begin to goof off on my computer. I look up, and I'm like, oh, it's still it's a 25-point game. Okay, whatever. You know, and, and, and as you described it, every time I kept looking up, the league kept getting smaller and smaller to the point where I was like, oh, I got to put the computer away um, <laughs> and, 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 and start paying attention, you know. And, and again, to the point where I had to, even this morning when I woke up, was like, let me rewatch the second half. I got to see, you know, try to feel like I got the whole uh, gamut of it. But it was, you know, an impressive stat, uh, impressive comeback, and really just sort of, this is what this team has done all year. 28-point deficit against the Boston Celtics in Boston. They came back and won that game. I think they had a, a run of like three state games, I think. You'll know better than me of coming back from like 20 points. I think this is something that they've just – they just they don't stop. It's like you said. They don't – they just put their head down and keep working, keep grinding, and every point matters. Every play matters, and it's something that – you know, Doc kind of preaches on to the next play. Got it. Let's go. Let's get this. You know, let's focus on this play. You know, do your job. And 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 that's what these guys did. And it it, it was amazing to watch. And you, you can't talk enough about it. 
it's exceptional basketball. The way they play, the way they altered their matchup this time round in the offensive sets to get Gallo more switches onto Curry to try and get him more involved after his quiet first game. It's little tweaks like that that can really change a playoff game and change the course of a change the course of a series, especially when you're one nil down and you look well one zero. Sorry, there's the Britishness coming out in yeah, there. Yeah, let it let it go. I, listen, <laughs> man, I was watching UEFA soccer. Let's go one nil. Let's go. Especially when you're one nil down, and then all of a sudden these key little tweaks to the matchups and the rotations can be the difference. Now, obviously, they did fall really far behind and again it was in the second quarter so that's something Duck needs to address moving forwards but those little tweaks that coach Duck is one of the best best there is and if there was anybody I wanted to lead my underdog team to war with one of the all-time greatest teams it's going to be Duck yeah I mean you can't you can't argue it one guy I want to talk about that you know nobody really Nobody's going to mention. We're 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 not going to give him a lot of love, but uh, I'm going to do it right now. Um, I tweeted a video out about him this morning, a little you know, like one clip. But Jermichael Green was huge in that third quarter. You know, when it listen, it looked like literally Doc was just throwing whatever he could out there. And you know what, Jermichael Green came out there in the third quarter. I believe he went four for four. He had a bunch of steals, a bunch of hustle plays. Like he was making some stuff happen. There's the video I tweeted out was you know they had. Uh, Durant had Beverly in the post and, you know, as they're entering the ball and, you know, Green comes over from the weak side, steals it, pushes it in transition, gets it to uh, uh, one of the guards. I think it was Beverly. Beverly finds Lou Williams. Williams takes the three. It's actually blocked by uh, by Draymond Green and Green just kind of and Jamichael Green fights for it, gets the loose ball and then finds a streaking Lou Williams for a layup. I mean, it's those kinds of plays that. You know, when you're watching in a 30 point game, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And you don't, you kind of forget as the game goes on. But when I went back and watched it this morning, I kind of realized like, wow, he had a big hand in this third quarter, you know, and really made some big plays for that team. And it just goes to again, just these guys, all of these guys have all been working. Listen, look at, look, look at the roster. Jermichael Green, Montrez Harrell, uh, Garrett Temple. You know, these are guys that have been, uh, Patrick Beverly, like we talked about, guys that have been all over the league given up on many times, you know, and, and not sure if they'd, you know, find the next contract or find the next team or if they have to play overseas. And these guys all kind of work their way onto not just an NBA team, a playoff team and coming back against the two time champions. It's huge, man. Like these are, these are just phenomenal plays and doc's done a great job molding all this together. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's funny. It's kind of like the bad news bears in a sense, you know, um, I don't know how much of the, uh, that reference you'll get but just kind of taking a team of got uh, of scraps and, and and molding them into like a cohesive unit has turned into something else like this is just an amazing uh it really stunning it was a stunning game to watch and they pl- i didn't get much of that reference let's be honest before we carry on yeah no I, I i i was i said that and i was like oh man that's an american thing there's no way adam knows that and then i was trying to think if there was anything else i could think of and you know i'm just not that quick-witted enough to really reverse course after that so no that's I fine got, it gives me something to google once the podcast's over <laughs> but so, no listen, you're right these guys movie. play with a chip on their shoulder and sometimes that's what you need when you when the chi- when the cards are down and you're trying to figure out what next and where do we go from here having that chip on your shoulder to just be like do you know what forget everybody else this is what we need to do we keep making plays and we keep grinding 
and it wins, it earns points, you're going up against an all-world team in Golden State, and now you're going back home with the series tied. I just think I'm not going to get past myself and say that we've got a chance of getting out of the series, but I'm allowing myself to dream a little bit now. You've 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 earned it, Adam. I don't. I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to jump into that uh, thing. I don't think you know. It's as amazing as this was. I'm not kind of like reading way too much into it. I think the Warriors played you know a really great first half and kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in the in the third quarter, and that's where the Clippers went and just took it. You know, they're like, oh, you're going to give us an opening? Cool. We're just going to crash through it. Um, and, and, and let's be honest, the Clippers won this game more than the Warriors lost it, but the Warriors did lose it a bit. You know, they, they stopped playing defense. They weren't really that locked in. Um, and, and you know what? They do have to do some work. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to do about the, the Lou Harrell pick and roll, which, um, before I got on with you, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast and, and, one in the league that that and and you know i'm hard pressed to really talk uh differently i think it's it's that good i think they're that tough of a combo and you alluded to it just the different things they did to get curry into that pick and roll having beverly screen for lou williams to get the switch that steph's on lou williams and then having uh you know montrez come in and set that screen you know then go into the pick and roll now now they're playing with it you know and now steph's in it like they just have done a good job of attacking it. I don't know if they can repeat this performance. I I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they they lose the next 3. But I'll tell you what, winning that one was huge and it and it matters on several stages. It also shows free agents, look what's going on with the Clippers. And in a time when the Lakers are struggling, this is your chance right now. Like, hey, we're in the playoffs. They're not. We're we're playing right now. You know, and I think that's something that that uh that's going to be in a, a lot of minds come July. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was exactly where I was about to go with this. It's true. Something else I allude to quite regularly lately is the fact that out of the three major teams with cap space, off the top of my head anyway, we're the most cohesive front office. When you look at the Knicks, you've got Dolan, you've got everything that comes with being in New York and how they don't currently and haven't for a while had a winning culture. And then magic through just a bunch of turmoil in, obviously in LA with the Lakers. I feel like we're the most attractive team with that cap space at the moment from a winning yeah, perspective. I, I'm not sure which teams have cap space and which won't, but I mean, definitely the most attractive in LA. I mean, the, the stuff that gets interesting is, you know, we're, we're already seeing it. Uh, Michael Winger, who's part of the front office and the brain trust in with the Clippers is, you know, already going to be, uh, receiving, uh, an interview with the Minnesota Timberwolves for their, uh, uh, basketball president job. You know, I think there's going to be, you, you, you might start as you start to have this kind of success, guys start trying to take your, start trying to poach some of your talent, some of your best, uh, your best front office talent and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's going to get interesting, you know, seeing where these things go and, and, and what happens as positions get filled. But again, interesting proposition. And, and the thing is, look, you have Doc Rivers in place as your head coach, you know, you, and you, and the most important thing, and this is the thing that matters, something every free agent should really evaluate more than the players on the court and more than the coach. 
you got to really know who your owner is. And there's one thing we know about Steve Ballmer. He freaking wants to win. He's not going to do anything else. He's just, he, he wants to win. He'll, he's got the money to do it. He's not going to worry about anything of luxury taxes or anything like that or, or what's it going to cost to get this or how much do I need to pay to get top talent? He's going to do it. It's, it's, it's really not a problem for him. There was a, a podcast, uh, had a story of the first time the Clippers met with Durant, um, uh, at the, in the Hamptons. I believe it was Bomber and Doc. And Bomber actually wanted to bring the full contract amount in cash just to show it to him. That's first off, that's a hell of a power move. If there ever is one. Um, you know what I mean? You just coming in with a duffel bag of whatever, a hundred something million dollars. And for Bomber, who's worth 40 billion, he, he's not even going to feel that, but it's just, it's just an amazing, uh, story. I don't know how true that is, but I'm, I'm going to pretend it is because I just think it's a hell of a story. Um, that's a story I haven't heard. I've, I heard the one where he started, I think he started to cry because he was, because he was saying like, look, this is more than just a business venture. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a true fan of this team now, but I would love to be able to bring a hundred odd million dollars in a duffel bag. I'd love to bring just a hundred thousand. It's not even, <laughs> I'm not even going to be that greedy, but it's just a matter of like, you know, you look at it and you, but it's just the point of this is. This is something that we haven't seen from Dolan. Dolan will pay, but we've also seen Dolan not really care. Bomber is pretty much courtside almost every game. You know, when, when I've gotten to the number of games I've gotten to go to this year, I've seen him there, you know, uh, a whole bunch. And, and, you know, he's locked in. He's connected with these guys. These guys know that they have their ownership in their, their back and having good ownership really matters. And I think we're beginning to realize that the Lakers may not necessarily have that and that the team in L.A. does is across the hall, and that's the Clippers. And that's huge for them come free agency. That's the game changer in, in, in free agency more than anything else is that they have a guy in Bomber who's saying, like, I want to win. I'm going to do whatever the hell I can, you know, trying to build an arena in Inglewood um, and jumping through all those hoops, you know, to to have their own arena and and and, and be part of that is – is another sign, you know, and that's just, just shows you good ownership really matters. You know, the Warriors have great ownership and those guys are, you know, besides the whole light years ahead comment and, and everything, you know, they're, they're on top of it and they're, they're there and connected with their guys. It matters. And I think that's the biggest ace in the, the Clippers hole. No, it's gotta be. It has to be the way this team, the front office is set up along with Jerry West. I've got to, I've got to agree with you. Bulmer, Doc, Jerry, all these guys just bleed success. And as you say, looking at getting a new stadium and jumping through all these hoops, being courtside, being willing to spend, being willing to spend the money, it all makes a difference. And me personally, if I was a player, if I was that lucky and I was living another life, then they would definitely be one of the first teams I'd be wanting a meeting with. Yeah, how do you not take a meeting with him? You know, I just think it's silly not to. I think it's it makes sense for KD to take a meeting with him. You know, uh, and and you know, and and if it makes sense for him to sign here, he's going to sign here. Uh, I think it's it's just those are this is the advantage the Clippers have over a good number of NBA teams and especially those with cap space. And, and again, we've seen it many times where ownership has held teams back and we've seen it where it kind of helps push them forward. And I think we're seeing it with, uh, 
with Bomber here. I mean, you can't can't talk enough about it. I mean, God, I've said that phrase how many times? That's got to be annoying. Um, <laughs> the uh, I critique myself in the middle of podcasts. You're going to have to deal with that from time to time, Adam. Uh, the, uh, um, but it's just one of those things. It's just an impressive thing that we've seen with him. And I don't know if people really kind of realize that this was the type of owner the Clippers had really until this year. I didn't realize it. I've seen him courtside when I've been at games. Um, it's never been something that's really struck me as unusual. It's never been something I take notice of. I'm just like loving life that I'm out there in LA. And then I'm like, oh right. shit, there's Steve Ballmer. But it's never been like, oh, he's here again. Not thinking I mean, that a lot of owners aren't actually there as regularly. In the, and, 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 and some maybe, you know, I'm not trying to say that there's a lot of absentee ownerships or, or whatever, but the one thing I do think is interesting is, I mean, did you just notice his reactions throughout the whole course of the game last night? He feels it. You, I felt bad when they were down 30 and kept taking, you know, the, the camera kept panning to him. You can feel it on his face of just like, God, we're getting our asses kicked. And then when they're coming back, you see him jumping up and down. Whoever was sitting next to him has to have bruises on his arms because he was <laughs> jumping and pounding his arm and like, oh, my God, we're coming back. We got, you know, like you could see the excitement in him. You know, how do you not want to play for him? Like, uh, in all honesty, you just you just look at it and you can just tell like this dude cares. It matters to him. And the more important thing is he has the money that it, it the money isn't an option, isn't a concern of his. You know, it's going to take this much. Boom. It's a big difference from when Sterling owned the team when I used to work there versus to what it is now. You know, just the stories of what I hear, you know, what people are making and, and things like that. It's a big jump going from what used to be one of the cheapest organizations to them kind of overpaying to keep some of their talent. So it's an interesting situation that that he's kind of created. Um, you know, he looked, he surveyed, you know, the first couple of years were kind of shaky. We weren't we weren't sure what we thought of Bomber. Um, and and kind of once he sort of stepped up and 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 took sort of the the GM title and team president title off of Doc Rivers, you know, that's a big ownership play right there for a guy who'd only been in the league, I think, three or four years at that point. Um, that's a gutsy thing. But, you know, again, for him, it's about winning. And either you're going to help him win or you're not going to be there. And that's what matters for him. And that's all he cares about. And and I think that's going to play very well in the summer. I can't wait to see not just who we bring in, but who we get sit-downs with. To me, that's part of the fun as well, just the the scene we've had a sit down and then the hoping to God that they sign. It's a roller coaster and I like to be on it all the way through, through the ups and downs. I wouldn't be a fan of the Clippers if I didn't enjoy the ups and downs. You know, the one thing too, and this is something that nobody's talked about. You know, my thing with them is even if they don't sign anybody, which I don't think is true, I think they'll at least get one person. Um, even if, the, but even if they don't, an office to figure it out. Kind of you, you, it, at the end of the day, it's not like I feel like they're going to throw a ton of money, you know, at the the wrong person. I I trust this front office to the point where it's like, okay, you know, w- we struck out this summer. Cool, we're going to regroup and figure out what our plan is. And there are a lot of front offices I do not trust with that. You know, there are a lot of guys who who if they strike out, feel the need of like I have to go get somebody and will overpay for somebody. Um, that that isn't worth that amount and and, and becomes an issue. Uh, I I don't see that in this front. Office. I could be wrong, right? And I could be giving a putting my faith, uh, misplacing my faith here. But I just don't see this front office panicking 
even if they don't sign somebody, which again, I, I, I still expect them to, but even if they don't, I still think they're going to figure it out. And that's kind of just who they are. It's like, okay, well, what's next? What do we do next? And I think that's, that starts from the top all the way to, you know, all the way on down. Yeah. If we strike out, I say we like I'm part of the team, but um, if we strike out, then I'd be more than happy to bring back this this team, maybe make one or two veteran additions, have this summer in the year of um, improvement from Shea and Shamit, and kind of just see where it takes us. If that's, how, if that's how fate falls, then I'm happy to kind of replay this year, but with the two rookies having that experience under their belt. Well, let me, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a question on your podcast. Okay. Go for now, it. Me, give me your impressions of 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 Shay and Shamit so far. I know Shamit, you, you just got in February, but give me your impressions so far of what you've seen of those guys. Okay, I'll start with Shamit because he seems to be my favorite at the moment. I think the guy's fantastic. He very much like a JJ Reddick type player. Uh, I feel that he needs to improve his ability to um, get over screens and try and get open a little bit more. But I feel like his poise, especially late-game situations like yesterday, is beyond his years. I think that he's going to be a great asset. I wouldn't say he's ever going to... Maybe a fringe all-star, but I'm not expecting him to become the next Steph. With Shea, I feel like he's he's super, he's super long, great athleticism. He needs to learn to protect the ball a lot more from my perspective. Game one... He was driving the lane and the ball was just getting stripped because he's showing it too much to his defenders. I feel that that should be the number one thing he needs to work on. But both rookies are playing exceptionally well. They're both the only rookies from this class that are starting in a playoff game. And I think there might be some of the only rookies that are actually playing big minutes across the playoffs anyway. Another stat I'm a really big fan of is Shamit. Is he's the only rookie since Steph to be averaging 40% on three-pointers when averaging two three-pointers or more per game. So I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Shamit is kind of the 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 J.J. Reddick kind of, of that crew and, and could potentially be better, could be, you know, he might be a bit stronger and whatnot, but as me is don't put him in point guard situations. Like I don't, I don't find him as a playmaker or anything like that. Oh no. For me, he's your sharpshooter. And again, with, 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 I love Shea. Like I, 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 I know he had that run, you, you know, where he hit the rookie wall and really kind of struggled for a while, but I think he's hasn't even really scratched the surface of how good he can be. Now that takes a lot of time and development and, and things like you talked about with protecting the ball when he's driving the lane and things like that. That's that stuff that's going to come over time. But I think he has a chance to be a really, really good player. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say he's a star yet or he has a chance to be a star yet, but I think he might be just a notch below it. I, I still need to see a few more things before, uh, before I go there. I think we have a habit of, and I mean, media fans everybody uh the twitter sphere of jumping all over these guys right away saying he's going to be a star before we we actually give him a chance to we, we actually figure out what the hell he is first um so i think you know i i think they have some really good pieces there i think those guys can be the most important thing is i think they can be really important pieces for a a, a playoff team and potentially a deep playoff team no i agree i really do 
with Shea, the only two major things that I'd be really happy to see improvements on over the summer, obviously he's going to work on his shot, he's going to work on his D, but if he could get just a notch or two better with his pick and roll coverage, we saw he was suffering with that. I mean, it's a crash course in the playoffs against Steph. But if he can get used to when to go under, when to go over, when to sag off a little bit more with the pick and rolls, as well as covering the ball more when he drives, I think those are two huge improvements he can make to his game quite easily that would put him in a good position moving into the new season. I would say I I, I can give him this one tidbit for Shea. Always go over the screen with Steph. Don't go under or sag off a Steph. No, um, I'm going to trust your opinion there. You've definitely studied more film than me. It, it, the guy can shoot. You don't give him any space at all, and I think that's the most important thing with Shea. And, and, and this is great experience for these two young guys. And the fact that last night's game-winning play was Shea making an incredible pass just over the hands of uh, Andre Iguodala to sham it on the wing for the three – I mean, you know, rookie to rookie action like that's that that's pretty big time, and that's that's good confidence building. This is even listen, Molly whopped over the next three games. I don't know if you guys have that phrase in the in in, in British lingo, um, but even if they get their asses kicked in the next three games, this is phenomenal experience for these two young guys, and to really understand what playoff basketball feels like, it's it's a big. It's such a different thing than the regular season, and it's important that these guys get that feeling, and, and they're getting it now. Molly Wopt we do have, and I agree. We saw it last year with Tatum and Brown, and now we're seeing it this year with Shea and Shamit. And I do believe that having this playoff experience, especially in hostile environments like the Oracle, against a team as stacked as the Warriors, it not only builds character... Next time they were in that position, the game's going to be that little bit slower for them because they've been there and done it before. So they've got that advantage on a lot of the other rookies from this class. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that matters a ton for this this team. And and, and again, we'll just have to see uh, uh, how it works out um, for them going forward. But hey, if the Clippers can get another game, this becomes... If they can push this to six, they get to just find a way to extend Ralph Lawler's career, who's the announcer retiring, uh, you know, the longtime Clipper announcer who's retiring uh, at the end of this season. You know, all good for them. Yeah, it's added nostalgia, especially if we can force the game six. When I was playing basketball, obviously I was never at a level of these guys, but the coach I had always used to preach, take every small victory in a game and use that to build towards a larger victory. So it would be things like if you're down 10 and you chip it away to six, that's a small victory. Take that and now look for your next small victory. And that was always the mentality that was drilled into me. And I'm hoping that that mentality is something, obviously on a grander scale, but it's nice to see that they've took this win, so that's your first small victory. Now, if you can make one more game, not only do we get an extra game of Ralph, but we also get (laughs) that extra game in the playoffs, like you say, where they get extra experience, more character building. And really, for a team that was never expected to make the playoffs this year, every single game now is just a luxury. It's just, we're happy to be here as a fan, I'm enjoying waking up in the morning and having a playoff game that I'm dying to watch because they play at ridiculous o'clock. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, the best thing is for the Clippers is they're playing with the house's money. You know, there's a uh, they got nothing to lose. You know, all the pressure's on the Warriors right now. Even if this was 2-0, the pressure would still be on the Warriors because it nobody expected the Clippers to even make it. We saw it in that video when they clinched the playoffs. You know, Doc talking about everybody had them projected to win just 33 games. It, it, it's it's again, they're just playing with house's money right now. So. Hey, have at it. While you're out there, you get to play as loose as possible because the expectations for you guys are so low. Which is always good because if we do win, we're exceeding expectation. And if we lose, we're just doing what everybody said we were going to do anyway. (laughs) I'm not going to have a ton of fun after this podcast going through tweets that I've received over the last few days telling me it was going to be a sweep. I'm going to be replying to every last one of those. I'm glad I didn't tweet that to you. (laughs) I'm respectful. I'm not a troll. The last (laughs) thing is, um, so this podcast actually works quite closely with the Reddit community on the uh, Reddit LA Clippers page. So I got given a question to ask you. And as usual, I have to ask because I said I would. So this one is from a Deo Strict Realism. I've definitely not pronounced that right. And what he's asking you is, do you think Zoo can match the play of his teammates in the latter part of this series? It's hard. Um, again, it's it's one of those things. It's he's a young guy, his first playoffs. It's it's a difficult thing. You know, I think we kind of have to recalibrate a little bit our expectations for Zoo. I, I he was a great pickup and everything, but I sometimes feel like people get a little bit carried away with how good he could be. Um, I think he has a, a, a lower ceiling than uh, more people really anticipate, but I still think it's a good ceiling. I think he's a, you know, he, he he's definitely a big that, you know, he's a rotation big. He's starting in the playoffs, but it's not, I think you can upgrade that uh, position you'd like to. Um, really, if he kind of has a 10-year career where he's, you know, the first big off the bench, I think that's a great career for, for Zubac. Um you know, he, he had some skills, but I, I, I think he's still got a while to go. And, and it's harder for bigs, you know, and, and, and really the, the thing about development, more importantly, is it's never the same for for every person. Um, just because this person looks like this person has that body type and kind of has his game, it doesn't mean he's going to progress as quickly as that person. Um, so I think it's a matter of just you got to give him time. Let's see what he can put together. I I think he was a great pickup for them, but it's not like I look at him as a uh, piece, right? Like going forward in the future, I don't, I don't think it's uh, something I'd really be uh, overly concerned about. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice to have, and he's probably going to have about like a ten-year career kind of. Um, maybe his ceiling's Marcin Gortat. I don't know, um, something along those lines. Uh, but if he can find, if he can be as dynamic as a screener as Gortat was. Um, I think that's pretty damn solid for, for Zoo. I agree. I've actually got wrote down in my notes here uh, from before I read this message. Zubak is a liability. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> need an upgrade in free agency. Solid backup big, not a centerpiece. They're exactly what I've wrote down, which is kind of harsh. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is a tough series for him. It's a tough matchup for him. You know, it's 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 not a easy... Uh, and get, having to guard Steph and 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 Clay and 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 KD and getting switched onto these guys, you know, he granted he he, he didn't battle Cousins all that much because of the injury, unfortunately. 
but you know, all of that stuff, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot coming at you and, and it's a lot in a playoff series. So, um, I don't think it's that harsh. I just don't think he's, I don't think his post game is that great where we can have that defensive liability on the court. Um, as the way the game's being played now, a lot of people are going to attack the bigs with switching and whatnot. And I don't think his defense is that is is so great that we can really overcome that. And we have so to mention Looney. Looney had a. I was going to say bloody. Yeah, Looney had a bloody good game. He he really did, and he was he was really great in the first half. Um, you know, and I think that's I think. Listen, you got to get ready. You're going to see a bunch of him now the rest of the way. Um, and this is this is something that I think he he kind of fits well. You know, with the Warriors, I think he has a good feel for. It's been in the program for so long, like he he knows what what's going on, where to be, and whatnot, and has that kind of institutional knowledge you'd want. So I think you know, expect to see him step up, and and he might have some more pretty big games. But going six for six was pretty impressive, um, and and nineteen points. You know, something you don't really expect from Looney. He's really really impressed me. Um, yeah, we are going to see some more of him, so we're going to have to figure out certain ways of trapping him, some schemes to deny him the ball a little bit. But he's another hustle guy. He's pure hustle, gets his points off rebounds, uh, cuts the, cuts really well, drives as a trader really well. He's a really impressive player to be coming off the bench. I'd be happy if we had him as our backup. Yeah, and, and well, I you know, he he's close to being more of a starter than I think uh, Zubac is. You know, I, I, I can see him starting in a... In, you know, the right situation for certain teams. I mean, hell, if the Warriors don't bring back Cousins or uh, it doesn't come back, you know, he's he's going to be their guy. And and I think he could really thrive in that, especially in that system, just from what he – having known all that stuff. But I, th- I think he's a starting big in the, in the league. He's a great player, really is. So before we wrap it up, is there anything you'd like to touch on, Mo? Anything you're doing at the moment that's awesome, you want everybody to know about? Gosh, everything I do is awesome, guys. You know, I'm just wonderful and amazing. Um, sorry, that was just a really bad joke. I know I came off like an ass there. Uh, the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing some freelance stuff with the Washington Post. So I always, you know, some writing stuff there. Uh, I've, as, uh, Adam said at the start of the podcast, I just joined the Blue Wire podcast network. So, um, you know, as of right now, you can find me on Blue Wire Buckets as a round table that we're, we're doing and it's they're kind of just rotating all their 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 podcast hosts in and out so i'll be on there sometimes sometimes there'll be somebody else but we have such a great roster of guys it's it's easy to kind of follow um and eventually hopefully i'll 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 figure out my podcast situation there and just follow me on twitter uh mo uh mo underscore nba um I do all sorts of just random tweets, uh, do some video breakdowns of stuff. And, and you can always just, you know, you follow me on Twitter, you'll find out what I'm doing next. It's been great having you on the really fun. That was, a, that was a long-winded answer. Jeez, I got to shorten that up there, Adam. That was t- You should have cut me off, Adam. Nah, I was letting you go with it, man. <laughs> I let it run to an hour. Uh, we had eight more minutes, so I was just happy to sit back and let you go. <laughs> well, you got any more questions, man? Come on, Reddit, let's go. Next time, pump it up with some more questions. I know it's been quiet today. I think everybody had a late night celebrating. So 
So yeah, usually we have, um, so I work alongside the Reddit community, so I post each week and it gets pinned and then I get given questions to either answer myself, have a guest answer, or I bring on fans from different social media just because there is a lot of podcasts out there. So the way I like to try and work is to integrate as many fans as possible. So there's as multiple voices and multiple opinions to listen to. And that gives us some good debating points. Yeah, why? That's a smart thing to do. Um, you know, let me. Uh, I'll leave you with this story since I got a couple of minutes to fill. Um, my first year back with the Clippers. Uh, so I had two stints with the Clippers, and I was with San Antonio for a couple of years. And that was the year we beat uh, Memphis. We came back from being down twenty-seven uh, against Memphis in the, I believe it was the fourth quarter. And Nick Young hit a bunch of threes and everything like that. And and I understand why it's quiet today because I'm going to tell you right now. After that game, man, we partied it up in the hotel lobby. We went nuts. It, it, it's such a euphoric feeling, you know, not just winning a road playoff game. But doing it and coming back the way they did, you know, is amazing feeling. It's it's a, it's a high of which you you really will you can never really touch again. And you kind of saw it. I don't know if you saw the video of uh, basically everybody high fiving as as the Clippers were walking into the the locker room after the game. You know, everybody just kind of giving each other high five afterwards and stuff. And you can kind of just see the excitement and 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 that team getting high. And I can only imagine uh, that must have been a bump and plane ride. Uh, back from Golden State to uh, to LA. I mean, it's a short flight, probably about an hour. Uh, but that must have been one of the funnest hours those guys have had in a long time. I wish I was only an hour away from LA, but no, <laughs> I, they them guys must have been partying all night long. Unfortunately, that game finished as I was waking up for work, so I'm going to do my celebrating soon as this podcast is finished, which again is actually when I should be going to sleep for work. Um, <laughs> it it'll be well deserved. It'll be well deserved, Adam. Yeah, I'll have a hangover. They'll understand. But it's all right. But thank you again, Mo. It's been fun. Uh, I'd love to have you back on again towards the start of the season, maybe at the end of free agency. And I wish you all the success in the world, man, with everything you're doing over at Blue Wire and on the jump ball. Thank you, Adam, and same to you, man. Thanks, bro. So, guys, you've been listening to the Clippers Pulse podcast. You'll catch me again on Friday. And as usual, any questions you want, just drop them in the Reddit thread or hit me up on Twitter. I'll make sure those get asked and answered. If you want to be on, again, the same thing. Just hit me up and we'll arrange it. Catch you again soon.